Hello, welcome to Blaze Pod. It is Monday, the third of December. My name is Ben. Joining me, as always, it's Jay, Blades Analytic. How are you doing today, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, mate. Thank you. I've uh, I've calmed down a little bit from the the Leeds game this weekend, and uh, yeah, I guess we're going to talk about all three games that have uh, happened in the last week because. Uh, since we last spoke, we have drawn with Rotherham, we beat Brentford midweek, and then obviously we lost at home to Leeds in uh, frustrating circumstances, I think it's fair to say, um, at the weekend. But yeah, we're going to try and talk about all three of these games today. Um, we can decide what order we fancy attacking them in, I suppose. But uh, yeah, there's quite quite a lot to talk about, I think. But I guess first first place I want to start, I want you to give me your your rating out of 10 for our team performance for each of the three games individually. So oh, okay. go for it. I like that. Um, Rotherham, a three. Okay. Uh, Brentford, an eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leeds, 6.5. Can't quite go seven. All right. 6. Yeah, but you're, you're pretty much in line with what I was thinking. Uh, Rotherham was uh, just a, a really poor performance, which we can talk about in more detail. And yeah, I'd... I'd give that a 3 out of 10 as well. I completely agree with uh, Brentford 8 out of 10 team performance. So that was very good. Leeds, I would have gone a 7, I think, just a sort of notch below. Um, you know, playing a much better standard of opposition in that game than we did against Brentford, who are still a, a good team. I know they're on in terrible form at the minute, but you know, underlying numbers suggest they're a, a much better team than that. So, yeah, I'm pretty, um, pretty in line with those ratings, I think. Do you... Which, which game do you want to start with? Do you want to go... Leeds first is probably freshest in people's minds. A bit more to talk about there, do you think? Yeah, yeah. We'll go. We'll go backwards, reverse order chronologically. All right, it means we end on a end on a bum note, I suppose. But <laughs> we can we can get around that somehow. <laughs> but yeah. All right. So yeah, we played Leeds at the weekend. Uh, lost one nil to a Pablo Hernandez goal, I believe it was. I haven't actually looked yep. at the details of this because it was just so frustrating. But. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think this was a good performance. I mean, United missed some really good chances in this game. You know, there's one sharp had a header sort of inside the six-yard box where it was pretty much unmarked and somehow managed to sort of head it down and and over and and wide. Uh, McGoldrick had an opportunity in the second half where a bit of a defensive mix-up and uh, ended up hitting it sort of into the goalkeeper's legs. Um, obviously Washington hit the bar right at the end as well though a very difficult chance hooking the ball over his shoulder uh, and Leeds' goal was um, just a just a, a catastrophic error I suppose I mean Egan played a poor back pass to Henderson who I don't know what he was trying to do trying to it was going out for a corner and it looks like he was sort of almost caught in two minds as to whether to kick it out for a throw in or to try and play an off balance pass and unfortunately chose the latter hit it straight to the Leeds player who squared it for a tap-in, and um, yeah, that was the game. I mean, you know, Leeds had, I guess Leeds had some chances, but mostly it was shots from long range. I mean, the, uh, Henderson was certainly the busier of the, busier of the two keepers and, in fact, made some very good saves in this game, particularly in the first half from uh, from a free kick where the ball sort of dropped to one of their players, and he you know, made a good low save through, uh, through bodies, I suppose. But overall, a, a tight game that I think you'd be hard-pushed to say... We deserve to lose it. Do you think? Do you think that's a fair summary? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, we, we we didn't deserve to lose the game. Um, and anyone who says that it does, we did, is just talking on emotion from either side, really. Mm. Um, I, I get that the. I mean, we'll go on to bigger narratives after we've we'll talked about all three games, I guess. But I, I I understand the 
certainly some of the criticism that we we don't create enough um, for all our play in the final third because even when you were just kind of going over the chances then on the day you, you tend to remember more but when you look back yeah there was only probably two or three chances wasn't there you know yeah. good opportunities but that's us that's what we do and the chances we did create especially at nil nil with a Billy Sharp header that, that's us that's what we do we lay on one big chance normally to you know two at max per game and if we take it we win predominantly mm. and that's you know and, and Sharp scores that, that header I don't want to say well I mean We've got the stats to tell us eight times out of ten he scores that header. So I mean, this is just, you know, it, it's hard to to say that we played poorly or that we we should have done. I think we, you can always say we can do more, but it's hard to say that we deserve to lose or we, was poor when, in actual fact, the only deciding factor of the game was just a horrendous error. Yeah, you know, it it, it wasn't a game that any side was going to win. I don't think other than an error. I think everyone said at halftime either a moment of magic or an error. Well, there wasn't much magic in the game. There was some good play. Mm. But there wasn't. I didn't think there was an exceptional player on the pitch um, for either side. Uh, they had a lot of shots, but a lot of them were from outside of the box or the edges of the box. They, yeah, they were good saves and they needed to be saved. But again, they're not high value. They, we didn't give away any big chances. I actually thought we defended quite well, to be honest. To say we're playing Leeds, you know, quite a good uh, attacking team. I thought the, the centre halves especially did a decent job. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, just 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 chances wise, it was a, such an even game. There's other things to look at, like we we shouldn't have had. Definitely, eleven men on the pitch. We should have at least had one man sent off. Yeah, so um, I think I missed this actually. So I heard about it afterwards. Um, apparently, Sky was saying we should have been down to possibly nine men at half time. So just fill me in on that. Actually, so I mean, was it the the Stevens uh, I saw yeah. could have been booked uh, for giving a second yellow? What what was the other one? I got McGoldrick. It was, and that was a hundred percent a red card. What did he do? Um, so about fifteen minutes in. Uh, McGoldrick won a ball kind of like a duel uh, in the final third uh, it was with uh, Adam Forshaw mm. I think it was with um, and McGoldrick it was it looks it looked from the angle I was at, it looked like it was just a really good big tackle in the middle of the pitch basically and it was what McGoldrick was doing well he was tracking back well but actually on the replay he's got studs up he's over the top of the ball and he goes straight onto the, the shin and the calf of, of Adam Forshaw Ouch. it's absolutely horrendous quite frankly it's amazing it what card. you miss when you sat on the cop to be honest probably with yeah, the, one of the pillars in the way as well this isn't uh, Arsene Wenger style selective blindness <laughs> I, <did not> see. <laughs> I probably just thought it was an amazing tackle at the time And uh, I, okay. do you know what I, I, was, I wasn't there at the game unfortunately I couldn't make it across in time but um, even on the telly it, it looks perfectly fine it looked like he just won, you know, had a bit more desire and aggression in the tackle, and then you kind of saw the Leeds players' reaction. And on the replay, it it was poor. Mm. Uh, and if if any United fan said it wasn't a poor tackle, you're just lying. It was a red card. I think the Stephen second one, you've seen them given as a booking, but I think the ref actually used some common sense. It wasn't a, a massive foul. It probably should have been a booking and a second yellow, but a bit of common sense when a player's on a yellow card, all he did was drag someone back and trip them. It's not. I I, I don't like how football now every foul is a yellow card. Okay. Yeah, that's how this game felt, actually. I didn't think the uh, officials were, were very good at all. I mean, it, no. you could say, oh, that sounds a bit bit sore loser kind of mentality. But, you know, uh, yeah, I didn't think it was a well-officiated game. There was a lot of those like, oh, you made a foul, here's a yellow card kind of thing for, for both teams. So, yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, as annoyed as I am about this defeat, and I think it is the manner of the defeat, but I guess you have to say, you know, Leeds are one of, if not the best team in the division by uh, a lot of measures. I mean, Norwich uh, went back above them in the table um, with a, with their win this weekend over Rotherham. But, you know, there's no real shame in losing to Leeds. I think, yeah, it's just that frustration of like, it's another game against the top six side where, 
you know, we probably deserved something, or I would say we definitely deserved something, and for one reason or another, and it's a stupid reason, what a stupid, yeah, unbelievable yeah. goal to concede, but we ended up with absolutely nothing. Um, I think I think my biggest, the biggest worry, and it's it, and it is, I, I've done a bit of arguing this weekend, Antonio. I'm sure people have seen it, they might have got a bit irate with me as well, but <laughs> me and you are generally defensive of United, and we always try and look at, not, not glimmers of light, but we try and look at other pieces of evidence to say what's actually happening, and if the evidence says, well, you know, you're better than the result says, then we're happy to talk about that. Mm. But the biggest thing that I kind of, I, I can't deny this whole missed chances thing. He's really starting to take, take narrative now. And in the last four games, so Forest, Wednesday, Rotherham and Leeds, I mean, discount Rotherham because we'll get on to that. But, you know, we actually took our chance in that one. So if we take the Forest, Wednesday and Leeds game, we've missed the biggest chance of the game in each mm. of those games. We've missed the biggest XG chance. So against Forest, there was hardly anything in the game. The one chance, I mean, it, it was harsh on him, but it landed at Woodburn's feet in the last minute to make it 1-1. That was the highest XG chance of the game. Against Wednesday, we missed a penalty mm. and several other things in the opening 15. And after that, we, we didn't quite do much after that. Against Leeds, Sharp's chance. And then the biggest one was McGoldrick's chance. Mm. Uh, you know, from the defensive area. Against Brentford, all right, we scored three. We actually missed, you know, the biggest XG chance of the game there. So there is, there's fine margins in this. You know, and it's quite hard to say as the division's fifth joint top, you know, top goal scorers. But we are missing chances, and we're missing chances at vital times. Yeah, now that 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 can feed into this. We need a more clinical striker. Then we can look at that. And start. We can we can go around the houses on this, but we're missing big moments in big games, and we are missing them at the minute. And it is costing us points. It is. I have to admit that. Yeah, I'm sort of coming round to the idea that, I mean, yes, the facts are we are one of the top scorers in the division. We also create chances uh i think do we have the highest xg or one we of have, the highest we, xg we have the highest xg but we've only created the 14th most chances right okay so it's it's quality of chances but yeah i'm coming around to this idea that as good as those numbers say we are attacking wise and it's not just the advanced metrics it's the actual goals themselves we should probably be scoring more and i think that is the sort of underlying frustration as a united fan at the moment is like we should be doing better. I, you know, I, I felt like this a bit last season as well, but I think it's even more so this season because we are a we're a better team than we were last year. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm just looking. So we are underperforming. Oh, this is before the Leeds game, but we're underperforming our XG by a couple of goals. Whereas Norwich, this is yeah. So this is before the weekend's game, Norwich outperforming their XG by three. This is on your table, by the way. Leeds outperforming their XG by three. Uh, Bora massively underperforming actually by nine um, and West Brom overperforming by eight so yeah generally the teams at the top of the table are finishing their chances at a higher rate than they should be I suppose it sounds really obvious but but, what, really but, but I guess what that it's means really is they they have a better standard of finisher I suppose to take yes, those chances that, that's what I was going to say it's really interesting that because they do I think more they have a number of better finishers than we mm. do. You know, I, I don't think anyone can argue Sharp. He's overshot his XG. I think we'll get on. I've done a bit of a, quite a big breakdown on McGoldrick in a bit. So we'll get to that in a bit. But I've looked at the last eight games since Derby. So since Derby away, because I think that's where we've hit, I won't say rough patch of form, but we've hit this patch of form where we're not winning as many games. So before the Derby game, when we beat Hull 1-0, yeah, the performance then that game wasn't great, but we got the win and we were kind of, you know, first to third in the table and fluctuating between those positions and everything looked quite rosy. Yeah, I think we'd won like five five in a row or something like that with that whole game, hadn't we? Yes, yeah. So now we've won, what, two in eight we've won now? Yeah, I think so. so. That, last eight games, so I've, I've done a breakdown. So our total like, XG from the last eight games is 12.23. 
Now, I don't have context for where that ranks in a, an eight-game table, if you will, because I've not had time to do that. But we've scored 11 goals and we've got an XG of 12. So, what, undershot by one? That's mm. like average. That's what you'd expect. So we're not, you know, we're not doing poorly. We're slightly underperforming, which when you think we've played Stoke in that game and only scored one when we had numerous chances Wednesday, mm. you know, Brentford where we could have scored more of the Leeds game, you know, Wigan as well, you know, and Derby as well was actually closer than the scoreline suggested. And, you know, okay, that's fine. Actually, the more mute point is the fact we've conceded 11, but with an XGA of 8.5 mm. in the last eight games. So we're actually conceding quite a few more than we should have done in the last three, uh, eight games. Yeah, now that's that's something for me, and we do give we still give away goals from areas and chances that either we we statistically shouldn't, or it doesn't take a lot of shots to score against us. And this is something I wrote about in quite a lot of detail last season, um, where basically we yeah we conceded more goals than we should is the shorthand of what I wrote. You know the the way that we defend, the amount of chances we concede, it, it was almost remarkable how big the difference was between expectation and reality if you like and and it was such a stark contrast between say Cardiff and Wolves who who conceded pretty much the exact amount of goals that they deserved to on expected goals and we were so much off and I really thought that would change this season but yeah so far it, it kind of hasn't as you say we're yeah. still we're still basically letting in more goals than underlying numbers suggest that we should I guess I mean it's not it's not a huge difference I'm again looking at your table so uh, before this weekend, we'd let in 23, XG was 21. But most other teams kind of underperformed that. So look at Borough, their XG against is 19 almost. They'd conceded 10. Uh, Norwich's was 24.5, conceded uh, 21. So again, kind of going underneath that. So yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is there. It's, it's just weird, isn't it? It's, it's not like teams are scoring from 25 yards against us this season as they were then. It's just... Yeah, there seems to be in every game one moment where a goal just comes out of nowhere almost. I mean, the Leeds one obviously was a extremely high-quality chance because uh, yeah, it was a yeah. tap inside the six-yard box. But yeah, some it's, of the other ones, I mean, it's just like, what have they scored? Like, the Brentford game, I suppose, is a great example. You know, Look at the second goal there. It was just like, what yeah. has that ended up in the back of the net? A double deflection from you know, sort of level with the six-yard box out on the wing. Like, what on earth? How is that a goal? But... Yeah, I mean, it just seems to keep happening, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's a weird situation. It does, and it's a bit worrying because the, kind of, the one thing I, I do keep personally, I don't share it often, and I, I will start doing actually, is I've got our XG trend from last season for both scored and, and against. And people, sometimes people get pissed off with XG. I do understand that. But it's, it's just something that we look at. I've also got shot trends, you know, people just like saying we outshot a team. Well, I've got that as well. So from last season, I've got the whole graph showing all the games last season and this season. We are well above our line for what we should have conceded mm. now there's, there's reasons for that there's good finishes we can all remember areas of last year where Snodgrass and Jamie Patterson for Bristol City just banged them in from 30 yards then there's deflection and unlucky goals we saw that away at Brentford there is the odd error there's, there's no denying Dean Henderson has saved his points this year I love him I wish we could sign him but Stoke the free kick that was a Henderson error mm. Leeds at the weekend that was a Henderson error he saved his points as well so that's not me having a go at him I'm just you know, there's all these little things that are knitting together and are basically making our defensive record in terms of goals conceded compared to how many we should do really quite poor overall. Mm. So it's not one answer. It's a lot of different things, but it is something that needs to get addressed. Now, you could say, as we said last year, well, that should regress, right? That, you know, mm. that's what XG tells us. Not necessarily so. We, we learned that last season, but 
we need to become more miserly. We, we really do. Because when a game's nil-nil or when it's one-nil, we don't seem to be able to hold off. We don't seem to be able to keep us... Kenny Jackett talked about it at Portsmouth and it, it's a really weird one to bring into this podcast, but he <laughs> talks about doing zeros and ones. Mm. So just, you know, all season, getting the defence to focus on zeros and ones, not clean sheets specifically because you can't always keep a clean sheet, but if you can keep an opposition down to zero and one, you've always got a chance of getting a draw or winning the game. Mm. And we're not doing that enough, are we? I know we lost the weekend 1-0, but we didn't score. Brentford was a two. We had, to, we had to score three goals to win the game. We've had to do that three times this season. That's Yeah. I think the thing that bothers me about this is it's not like... I mean, if anything, we, we almost look worse when we play defensively. So it's, it's yeah. not like... Um, well, it's, it's kind of the opposite of what we saw last season where you and I, and I think other fans as well, were like, oh, why have we played so... Why have we gone gung-ho the entire 90 minutes? If you remember like the Bristol City game at home, we were down to 10 men. And, you know, it's like, what, we've left ourselves so open. That's why we've ended up conceding a winner. You know, be a bit more conservative. Whereas this season, I, I feel like... Yeah, we have tried to be a bit more uh, conservative and sensible in our approach sometimes. And, and if anything, we we end up just conceding anyway. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it is a weird situation at the minute. I mean, you know, we should probably underline all this by saying we are still pretty comfortably in the top six. And you know, yeah, even, yeah. Even, even with a poor run of form, you know, other teams drop points as well. So, you know, it's not like, oh, our season's collapsing around us or anything like that. And, I, yeah, I don't think our performances have hugely dropped off or anything like that. I mean, there's a slight downturn, obviously, but at the same no. time, the sort of circumstances of some of these games have kind of, uh, you know, I think dictated that a little bit. So, I mean, yeah, just to, maybe it's a good point just to segue into some of the other games, actually. Let's just talk about Rotherham, actually, seeing as we're on a, a little bit of a low point here at the moment. So, yeah. yeah, so that's a game where you look at it on paper, and as we did beforehand, and said, you know, this is a game we should should win, really, shouldn't we? And then... You know, it, with the benefit of hindsight, it's like, oh, actually, Rotherham basically draw every home game. You know, they've I think they've drawn with they've drawn with Borough away. They've beaten Swansea. I think they've beaten Derby at home as well. Yeah. Like they are a tough team to play, and as it happens, that was really evident on the day, and they gave us just no peace on the ball whatsoever. And you know, we we were pretty terrible, but I think definitely to an extent we were made to look bad by by how they played. So, yeah, that's one of those games where you sort of go, oh, that's your sort of uh, light at the end of the tunnel in between these tough games with, with Derby and Stoke and um, and Leeds. But actually, <laughs> that's a much tougher game than it, it sort of yeah. looked. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, another weird kind of situation, really, where with that one, I mean, that was a game, to my mind, we definitely deserved to lose. And yet at the end, I'm absolutely Ooh. livid we didn't win because it was just a, a massive giveaway at the end, having sort of somehow grabbed a lead for for once we were going to win a game we didn't deserve to and uh then yeah just another comedy of error goal i suppose and there's another one i guess where you've got a you know um rotherham's first goal took a big deflection that you know i'm sure it would have been yep. saved otherwise the second one well i mean where to start with the second one marvin johnson makes a terrible decision gets tackled you know ball gets sort of a double almost a double deflection that ends up running to their man when we would have cleared it easily and uh in the back of the net it goes, but yeah, I mean, you thought that was uh, you thought that was our worst performance under Wilder, I think. Is that right? Yeah, you st- I mean, you stick by that. Certainly in the championship, yeah. I, I think in the first few games in League One, it wasn't it wasn't great either. But I, yeah, even even considering Hull last season, and I say that because this squad is so. I, I know. I don't. I don't think Rotherham are as bad as what Hull were at that time. If you look mm. at the form in the games, so I think Rotherham were better than Hull were at that time. 
I think that our squad is better and playing better than our squad was at that time as well. Mm. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I, I just felt because we were so dominated as well. Like Hull didn't dominate us in that 1-0 win. They just scored a goal and we were poor offensively and with the ball. Whereas yeah. Rotherham dominated. I mean, it doesn't matter how many were on target or where they were from. They had 26 shots against us. Mm. 26. We don't give away that many shots and they had 26. I mean, it's just... It was nonsensical. It was a poor performance. We were out for... I think we wrote it. We all both wrote it down. I certainly tweeted that. You have to earn the right to play teams like Rotherham. They're going to mm. outwork you. They're going to run you. They're going to hassle you. So you've got to earn, you've got to win the battle or at least be competitive in the battle and then try and play football from there. The only time we did that is the second goal for us. It's the only mm. time all game we actually played in the middle of the park, won a couple of tackles, got the ball out wide, put a ball in and we scored. And again, typical Sheffield United, we had a right wing back and a centre-back on the line. <laughs> which is quite good because Freeman had done all he could to miss it because that, that was definitely going away from the goal his header that hit Basham on the head yeah I know so, he, he had a bit of a shocker in that in fact he was I thought he was quite poor at Brentford as well um, I know he technically gets an assist for uh, the pass to Norwood for, for his goal in that game but yeah his his standards have definitely dropped the last few weeks I mean yeah. talk, talk about a clash of styles in that Rotherham United game I mean yeah they had 26 shots to our six the big chance count was 3-0 in our favour. Yeah. I mean, that is that is United in a nutshell, isn't it? Uh, under yeah. Wilder. Like, we, we take our time, we work the big chances, and we hopefully stick them away. And yeah. I suppose we did I mean, take two out of three. Yeah, I mean, the XG battle was what 1.7 for Rotherham, 1.8 for us. So we won the XG battle in that game. Mm. Which is just nuts, isn't it? <laughs> and, and again, another... I think at 1-0, was it 1-0 or 2? Yeah, 1-0, wasn't it? Or 2-1, McGoldrick missed another big chance on the one line. 1-0, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just... And again, I'm not hammering McGoldrick. Me and you have got our thoughts on McGoldrick again. We'll come on to them in a shortly. But it, it's just another big moment again in a game where we weren't playing well. And we might not have held on because it's Sheffield United. We always find a way to make it difficult. But if we go 2-0 up away at Rotherham and we don't win the game, then that's even worse for the situation than what happened, isn't it? Yeah, you know that you probably are winning the game if you if you score there. So it's just there's been some frustrating times, but at the same time, that the flip side is okay. So we're missing we're missing big chances in big moments, but all the stats tell us that we should be scoring these and that these players do normally score these. So actually, you could look at it in a positive way and say if we continue the way we are, we're probably going to start picking up more results soon. Yeah, that, you know, that, that's a, that's the positive way of looking at it, isn't it? You know, if we're losing games but we're missing big chances, we just need to take those big moments and we should start getting more points. Yeah, I mean, this is why I don't buy the, uh, you know, people are kind of quick to draw parallels between uh, this time last season when you know things did fall off. You know, we lost Coots and we ended up, you know, going on a bad run of form, and we actually stopped creating chances as well during that period. I think, whereas you, you know, you can't really say that. I mean, I know we talked about the Leeds game being. You know, tight chance. You know, very few chances from open play. I suppose one was a corner, one was a defensive mistake. But you know, we are still carving out those chances, even in games where we haven't played well, like that Rotherham one. I mean, if, yep. if you, yeah, it would be interesting to see. You know, the sort of, uh, I guess, stats for if a team win, like if a team has three more big chances than the opposition, like what proportion of times do they win that game? I would imagine it's extremely high. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rotherham's game plan was. Uh, just gave us a lot of problems you know we had no time on the ball they they crossed early and often I guess you know every opportunity they stuck the ball into the box and you know they were winning headers and you know getting getting shots at goal from those and yeah we we really struggled with it I suppose so that's why I feel like in some ways we were lucky to draw absolutely couldn't agree more than that you know it's a week ago 
and to be fair to United fans, they've been brilliant with Henderson after the era. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was worried because there was a bit of a normal, as there is at the minute, whenever we lose a game or don't win a game, there's a meltdown because some, some <laughs> ladies fans football, like to think, yeah, like to think we're Real Madrid and having a divine right to win every game. But there were actually United fans were brilliant with Henderson. To all credit to United fans, because whether it was on social media or in the stadium, everyone just applauded him. It happens. He's a keeper. When they make mistakes, it, it ends in goals. But a week ago, he was the reason we got out of Rotherham alive. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it, it really isn't that long ago to think of a good performance, is it, from Dean Henderson and the character that he is. You know, he's going to come back and play well next time as well. So, and he was actually good in the Leeds game as well. Yeah, you, know, you take away that error, he was up for man of the match probably. So. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, so you just there's nothing in that at all. But yeah, you know, and then you go from the the parallels of the Rotherham game to the Brentford game, where we just call, I, I think stylistically Brentford at the minute suitors. Mm. They, they're, they're really flaky at the back. They like to play football. They're not going to mix you up in tackles and stuff. So you get a side like us who are coming back off for a game where we've got out for, so we're going to make our tackles. We're going to win challenges, but then we like to play football and against the defence that gives up chances. It was probably a good game for us, but um, you know we always doubt ourselves away, don't we? Yeah, we, I mean, that's a tough game. I mean, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of the sort of uh, expected tables of, of Brentford still as like a top six team. I mean, some of that is, uh, I guess, influenced by their strong start to the season before, very um, much, yeah. before Dean Smith moved on. So, yeah, I'm just looking at the um, Infogol one now, still has them as the... Da, 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 da. Okay, they slipped down to twelfth now after the last couple of games. But yeah, I think at the time they were sort of top six kind of team. Sorry, yeah, go on. yeah. No, I was just going to say their, their last six, their last kind of four five games of an XG table. If you were to do that, um, they are kind of bottom six. But you're quite right. They have they have shown the ability previous to be a very good side, and they did prove to be. I thought they were a good side. They knocked it around well. They, uh, you know, they, they created the odd moment and they, they went one nil up and mobile, you know, clinical. And it was like, oh god, here we go again. And we were just very good from that point on, weren't we? Just yeah, straight, straight up the other end at the bar with Lunny, Lunny, and you know, we just carried on from there. Yeah, I, I think actually we should. Um, well, I know we, me and you talked about it. You said, you know, you said we like to uh, accentuate the positives, but I was absolutely buzzing with the reaction from that Rotherham game. You know, played absolutely terribly, and then we, you know, as you say, go a goal down to a. A pretty poor goal to concede, but another deflection, I guess, that takes it past the keeper. Yeah. Probably saves it if if not. Um, God, we've conceded a lot of deflected goals recently. Uh, but anyway, you know, you go a goal down to. I think it was literally Brentford's first attack, and he's just thinking, "Ah, oh, flipping out." You know, I, I had pretty um, pretty low expectations for that game anyway. But yeah, you just sort of think this is it. We're going to lose this one, uh, Borough style from this season. And you know, I can already hear the meltdown building. And then yeah, we. Just carried on playing our, our way. We got an equaliser from a, a fortuitous own goal, I suppose. Then Norwood scored an absolute beauty of a goal, which is right up there with goal of the season contender for us so yeah, far, I think. Um, contrived to miss some other chances. Uh, again, McGoldrick, we can talk about it in a sec, because I do want to uh, spend some time on that. Um, and then conceded a... Yeah, as I said earlier, a, a really unfortunate equaliser. I mean, we kind of invited it a little bit because we, Brentford had that... 10-minute spell where we just couldn't get out, could we? I mean, they were sort of no. just just basically tiptoeing around the edge of our box. and then But then the goal itself just came from a, a cross, essentially, that took a double deflection. And then United straight back on the front foot again. You know, you, you think, oh, that's another sickener. You know, we've just been under the cosh for 10 minutes. They've equalised. There's, there's only one way this game's going to go. And then, yeah, Leon misses a great chance pretty much straight from the kickoff after two all. 
Um, and we keep going and Clark eventually makes amends and we end up winning 3-2. And yeah, just a, a all-round very good performance, I think, because, you know, Henderson barely had a save to make. I thought generally we defended very, very well, you know, restricted yeah. Brentford to pretty weak opportunities, you know, very few shots in the game, I thought, which is partly down to, I guess, their approach to the game. But we carved them open time and again. And I mean, if, if we'd won that 5-2, 5-1, I think would not have flattered us in the slightest. Yeah, really, really good attacking performance. And, yeah, probably missed easier chances than we ended up scoring, I reckon. Yeah, no, no, no definitely. 100% agree. Uh, it was good, actually, to see... Uh, it was good to see a changed team. Um, mm. and, it, and it worked. I mean, I, I'm not even going to go into you know, some of the fans before and having to go at the slate in the team and whatnot. But it, it was clear... It was clear to me that they've known for a while that there is a plan B option with Connor Washington. Mm. Um, now, whether he was ready or not, whether he was tactically ready, you know, fitness-wise, or whether he was right in the system or whatnot, that was the right game. Brentford play a high line, they're going to step up, play the ball, and without a doubt, they knew the space would be there. And so it proved, and he was fan- Washington was fantastic. Yeah, uh, we definitely but- need to mention that. He... That was very, very encouraging for him. That was exactly what I hoped to see when we signed him. Yeah. You know, someone who is quicker than our other players, but has like the intelligence to go with it. You know, the timing of the runs, the the areas that he's running into, and we exploited that ability really well with some of our sort of quite direct passing and out balls and stuff. Yeah, but it was, and that's the key. It was passing. Mm. It wasn't. It, we, we didn't contrive to just play long ball and knock it over the top. Sometimes we had to, and it worked. And Washington could chase things down. But you saw Fleck constantly looking for little passes around the corners. You know, and it, it's those passes that we are capable of playing, our midfielders, certainly, but we don't really have the men to do so. So that was great to see. And, and there's no denying Brentford just didn't know how to deal with it. And they're not slow at the back, you know. They're sent, uh, concert, they're sent off pretty quick-footed, but they, they just had no idea how to deal with it. It got us territory, it got us up the pitch, and it, it gave them something in behind. And he was brilliant. He deserved a goal, really. I'm glad he got the assist. So at least he got a tangible number against him for that performance. Mm. But he, he deserved a goal on that performance, especially when he went through and they chopped him down. Yeah, you know, yeah. he still and he still had the balls to get up and try and you know carry on and score, and he was still quicker to the ball. Uh, that's just desire, and it was great to see. He's clearly a lad who's you know and a, a bit down on his look at QPR type thing and a very poor team. And he's coming and basically wants to seize his chance. So, but fair, and it was great to see Leon come and he might have missed a couple before he scored, which was a beautiful finish, by the way. Mm. It, you know. For Leon to, to come on in half an hour and get two or three big chances, and they were big chances, that's great. That's what we want. We want Leon to get chances. You know, We want our strikers to get chances. I don't care about a conversion rate. If they're on the end of crosses and they're on the end of things, that that's what we, you want to see, isn't it? It's the old Gary Lineker phrase. You have to be there to miss them. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, as you said, we'll come on to Magogic in a minute, but it was just a, a really good United performance. It was solid. We were productive with the ball. Mm. I, I think we only had, what, 38% possession? Yeah, so that that was interesting. I was just about to mention that, actually. You know, the the way that we used the ball uh, was very good just by our own standards, but, I mean, such a contrast to Brentford. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think we had 34% possession, but the actual territory, so the, um, you know, in in which half the the ball spent most time, if you like, actually spent more time in Brentford's half than in our own. I think it was like 52-48. So, you know, they completed um, more than twice as many passes as us but it was all in completely non-dangerous areas. And I, yeah. it, it actually got to the stage when we were 2-1 up where I was like, oh, they've got the ball. Great, that's another two minutes off the game because they're just going to knock it around their back back four into midfield and round and round they go without actually doing anything or getting remotely close to our goal. 
and the the contrast with us is you know as soon as we got it we we just sprang basically i mean some of our counter attacking was brilliant and it was like you know as you said there was there wasn't a, a long ball i mean occasionally a long pass but Generally, it was sort of five or six quick passes from our box to theirs and uh, ending with a great chance. You know, Stevens was excellent, I thought, getting forward down yeah. the left. I thought Fleck did really well uh, as well. All this without Duffy in the team, by the way. And yeah, yeah we, we really should have scored more yeah. goals, I suppose. Um, that was key. We, we, we created 19 shots away at Brentford without Duffy on the pitch. Mm. I mean, that, you know, that, that's absolutely fantastic. And on that front as well, I, I, he didn't do nothing special, so I'm not going to give him a massive mention, but, you know, there was this big thing about Lunny, and I think me and you were involved in the conversations, you know, about his, we don't win with Lunny in the team, basically. <laughs> you know, and he came in, he, he does what he did. You know, he should have scored. He hit the bar. It was, you know, I don't think it's fair to say it was a, a golden chance. It was a pretty good chance, and he connected well. He was unlucky, if anything. But he worked his absolute socks off down that right-hand side, and he was half the reason that Freeman looked better defensively in that game. Mm. Because every, I've seen the clips. Every time Freeman goes on the goal for Norwood, if you look at it, Freeman plays the ball to Norwood. John Lundstrom's at right right back position. Mm. So he's filling in. He was letting him go and he put tackles in. He didn't do anything special, but just that, that bit of work rate, which is probably what was missing in the Rotherham game, to be honest. Mm. I'm not saying if we should have played Lundstrom in the Rotherham. I just mean, you know, overall, that bit of work rate, that bit of roll your sleeves up, get stuck in, just work, work, work. That That's what he brought to the team. And it, it was great to see Wilder vindicated for doing that. Um, yeah. You know, and... It, Against Leeds, then, there is an argument of should we play Washington from the start? Because when he came on, he was actually more threatening than Sharp. I think that's fair. Mm. You know, in terms of overall play, he ran the channels, he got round the back and won a couple of corners. He obviously hit the bar with the overhead kick, which, you know, that, that was just an isolated moment on its own. But I, I think there's a real argument here that Connie Washington should start our next game, especially because it's away from home. Um, I, we seem to, at the minute, and it's a very small sample size of, of one and a little bit of minutes in a game, but we seem to be more threatening with him in the team. Um, mm. I, I don't know how people think about that because, listen, we've done the whole drop Billy Sharp and then bring him back in and he scores five again thing. But I, I don't know. There's, there's something about McGoldrick that we'll get, we'll get onto now. It's just, you know, I, I wonder if Washington has staked a claim for a start. Yes, I think certainly in games where, yeah, we're going to have to, I, I guess where we can expect to be picking up the ball quite deep, I suppose, and have to try and spring a little bit, which, yeah, I mean, against, you know, against a team like Wednesday, who just had absolutely no ambitions to come out whatsoever, you know, Washington, I think, would have just been completely ineffective in that game, or at least, absolutely. you know, no no more or less effective than uh, than Sharp was, I suppose. So, but yeah, games where we might need to get up the pitch more quickly and, you know, we might need to play a sort of more direct pass, yeah, it looks like a genuine option. But, yeah, we, we, we've tiptoed around this for the whole podcast. But let's talk about McGoldrick now because this is this is strange. I don't know what to make of David McGoldrick. <laughs> I mean, I think he's I think he's a really, really good footballer, you know, one of our best footballers. And when you think back to, um, you know, when you think back to, I guess, any time in the last five or six years, we have not had a player with his ability apart from Mark Duffy, I don't think, for nope. a very long time. I mean genuinely going back probably I don't know I think you could probably say 10 years maybe I, I, I think maybe, maybe Kevin McDonald or someone like that but Te- you know, technical I, wise yeah yeah I, I mean I think McGoldrick's probably a, a, a better player than him to be honest in terms of what he can offer us I suppose but yeah he he is this sort of curate's egg of a player at the moment with you know these missed chances but so I mean yeah the missed chances let's, let's quickly check them off so obviously had the penalty against Wednesday which was saved 
Uh, then he, he had a, a shot from pretty much inside the six-yard box against Rotherham, which the defender somehow managed to block. It, it, it actually gave me flashbacks to uh, David Seaman in the FA Cup yeah. semi-final. And obviously he didn't use his hand, he used his foot, but it was just like, how on earth is that not ended up in the back of the net? Yeah, on the line and you don't score. Just... Yeah, yeah. The Brentford one, uh, I've forgotten the Brentford keeper's name. Is it Bentley, actually? Yeah, Dan Bentley. Bentley. It, was, it was in the six-yard box, wasn't it? He spun off. And... Spun on the, on the turn, hit a very firm shot and essentially hit the goalkeeper on the arm and didn't go in the net. Um, And then this weekend, uh, he basically a defensive mix-up, broke to McGoldrick on the edge of the box. It it wasn't a gimme, I don't think, but I was disappointed to not see it hit the back of the net. The keeper saved it. That's four very good chances. The thing is, I mean, he hasn't technically missed any of them. They've all been on target. And in some cases, they've been pretty good strikes. I mean, that one at Brentford, like, I watched watched the replay that so many times. How on earth has the keeper saved that? Like, I mean, you you give a lot of credit to the goalkeeper. He made himself, you know, very big, stuck his arm out. But, I mean, if the ball is sort of two inches in any other direction, at, at worst, it hits the keeper's arm and goes in the net. I mean, that's sort of one way you're like, how can, you know, what else has McGoldrick got to do apart from I mean if he scuffs it it probably goes in I suppose that's that's true that, that's true in some of them as well that is yeah. true in some of them um, so it's like is, is this bad luck or is it poor skill I mean these are chances you look at and you're like you've got to finish these how are they not going in the net like credit the keeper for a couple of saves and you know even with the Wednesday penalty it, it is a good save to my mind we talked about that last time but like you know what what do you put that down to just is it bad luck or poor skill basically or, or is that simplistic no I think it's a bit of both so I've looked at, I've done a bit of a deep dive really into kind of just the whole McGoldrick playing style. Because um, one thing I've noticed in the past few games is he's that eager to, to, to join in and help, whether it be tracking back or link up play. He's picking up lots of different areas on the pitch, which is great for getting the ball forward, but it is meaning that we're isolated up top. Mm. Um, you know, it, he's getting back at left wing back. He's, he's making touches at centre mid, which is all great. I mean, the, the lead shot at the weekend, if you remember, kind of early on when their keeper made a great save from his shot outside the box, he picks the ball up from actually an Ollie Norwood type position yeah. and drives through the middle. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. It might be a tactical thing that he's instructed to do. I'm just thinking you know, it doesn't give us two up top. So, let, you know, I just, just have a look at his stats. So, first thing that I always look at for a striker, if we're talking about clinical, McGoldrick's expected goals this season is 10.1 and he scored five. Mm. That's the biggest underperformance in the championship. And it's yeah. one of the biggest in the EFL. So that undeniably, he's missing chances he should be scoring at a worse rate than any other player in the league at the minute. Mm. Weird, as you said, is 48% of his shots are actually on target. Hmm. Which, yeah, I went, oh, I didn't realise that. He's only got a 9.1% conversion rate, though. Mm. That is one of the lowest out of all forwards in the EFL. He so is, I... and, and just one more, yet he is actually taking, if you, kind of who scored, great website for stats, you can kind of play around with it. So what I did is I filtered it out for just strikers who have played mm. more than 10 games this season. So basically I want to look at every team's main strike partnerships or striker, depending on what formation they play. McGoldrick is averaging 3.7 shots per 90 minutes played. That is the highest shots per 90 out of all forwards in the championship. Really? Wow. That's quite surprising, actually. It is, isn't it? He's first in the league for shots from the penalty area, but only 10th out of 22 forwards from shots in the six-yard box. Mm. So, 
Uh, just a bit of context to that Billy Sharp hasn't registered one shot from outside the box, but he's first the shots from the six yard box. Yeah. So I mean, which you expect, don't you? But he's just—he's an enigma. He's an absolute enigma. I also went a bit further and I said, okay, McGoldrick. Right. So I think we all have to accept McGoldrick isn't a clinical striker. Right. What else does he do? Me and you love him because he links play and he can create as well. Right. So does he create chances? No. Not as many as I thought when I looked this up as well. I'm glad you brought this up. He's 19th. He's out of the 22 forwards I looked at. McGoldrick is 19th for chance creation. Mm. So he doesn't like like that's key passes. So he doesn't he doesn't set up many shots. He doesn't set up many attempts at goal. He did at the weekend. That was a great assist. I've looked at his expected assist value because, as we know, not all shots are created equal. You know, the guy who lays on a chance in the six-yard box compared to one who sets up a shot from 30 yards, they deserve more credit, right? Mm. His expected assist is only 3.6. It's low. He's really low. Um, yet he's actually the third highest passing forward out of that list of 22 strikers. So mm. he's completed the third highest passes. So what this is all telling me, kind of just to summarise it, so it's not just stats. He's not clinical. He's not hitting his expected goals. He's hitting the target a lot, but he's not putting it in the corners. He's not hitting, you know, you can say it's scuff finishes, but he's basically not a good finisher. I think that's fair at this point. Mm. He's, that, his goal conversion stats tell me that. He doesn't create much, so he's not a direct chance creator. What it does tell me is he's very integral to the way we build up play. And and that is the uh, <laughs> the heart of the enigma, isn't it? I mean, I, I tweeted this um, after the game, because I, I uh, the Leeds game, I should say, because I thought it was very noticeable in this game just how often he dropped deep and basically became that link man between uh, defence or, or Norwood, if you like, because he had to drop really deep as well, and the rest of the team, because Leeds did a fantastic job on our three midfielders, and there was no, you know, very frequently there was this huge gap between uh, the man who had possession, which was very often, you know, Norwood level with the central defenders or one of the central defenders themselves. And then the rest of the team, there was like 30 yards of space, but it was just a, you know, you couldn't play a ball into feet to one of our strikers or, you know, Sharp or Fleck or Duffy because it was so tightly marked. And so McGoldrick was actually dropping deep and essentially gave us an out ball, you know, that it would come short, pick it up, knock it off, and suddenly we're, we're away, if you like. You know, we didn't necessarily create too many chances from that, but, you know, it, it gave us a way to get up the pitch beyond like a, a low percentage pass, essentially. But... You know, so there's huge value in in that. I think you know, as a, as a <laughs> an uneducated fan, if you like, that's yeah, that, no, no. that's that's my take on it. As someone who has has never done anything remotely football coaching in their life, um, but then yeah, you you look at some of those other things, and it's like, well, how valuable is he really? I mean, yeah, it, it's a proper it's a proper head scratch at the moment. Because I have people, you know, some people reply to me saying, well, you know, he should just be a midfielder then, which is. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to be insulting, but I, I, I don't agree with that at no, all. No, <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. No, no. I mean, imagine him playing central midfield. I think it'd be a disaster. It, but yeah, it, it, it's strange. It's too simplistic to, to to say just because he passes the ball a lot and links up plays midfielder. He's not. He's a forward yeah. player coming back. You know, he he has attacking tendencies. He does. He clearly picks up good attacking positions because he's got mm. the fourth highest xG in the league. Is he's it got- also simplistic to say if he's a poor at finishing, he shouldn't be a striker? No, I, no, I, I think that is too simplistic. Um, it, it depends okay, what you want from a striker, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, what do you, what do you, you know, we want to score goals, don't we, Jay? We want yeah, we goals. We're, 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 goals we're, we'd love it. If McGoldrick, <laughs> if McGoldrick was put it this way, if McGoldrick was clinical, I talked to some good Ipswich fans who also do stats on Twitter. If McGoldrick was clinical, he would have been in the Premier League for £10 million six years ago. 
Yeah, that, that's very uh, true. Undeniably, because he, he had pace before the injuries. I mean, he's not slow now if you see him in a foot race, but he had pace before the injuries. His technical qualities, the way he can keep the ball under pressure, the way he can, you know, take take players on and have a shot. If he could finish, he'd be Premier League class. So that's why he's come to us on a free transfer mm. uh, with the injuries as well, granted. But that, that's why he's here. So we have to accept that. I think there is a slight underperformance that's too much at the minute because these chances mm. that he's missing, like you said, the keeper sticks his arm up at Brentford, it hits his hand. Yeah, you can argue not a great finish. He probably scores that seven or eight times out of ten. Rotherham, the defender just gets a leg in the way. Mm. You know, it's, it's one of those, it is like the Arsenal game. It's just, how has he done that? I don't know. You know, that probably doesn't happen again. So I think he will regress and I think he'll score. I think he'll get into double figures for the season. Yeah, you know, He's already on five, he only is number five. Which, if McGoldrick gets into double figures from the start of the season view on him, that's a great season, right? Yeah. yeah. I just think that at the minute, everything seems to be falling to McGoldrick, not Sharp. Mm. You know, all the big chances are falling to McGoldrick. And it's quite obvious that he's, you know, because they are such big chances at key moments, it's quite obvious he's misses. I think there is a technical ball striking issue. I don't think he hits the ball that well. I don't know if that's an injury thing. I, I, you know, I don't think he hits the ball to the corners with pace. I, mm. I, I just don't think he does. That's just my opinion. But it depends what you want in a striker. Clear, clearly, Wilder likes him for what, everything else that he brings. Mm. Um, I mean, he, he's our best striker for pressing the ball. So he does more mm. defensive actions than any other striker. That's interesting. But, you know, so what you're getting is you're getting a link-up player, a passer, and a, a, a guy who can press the ball hard. He also has a lot of shots, so he's got a lot of output, you know, compared to our other strikers who hardly shoot, unless yeah. he's you know, in the six-yard area. But I think... In the first 10 games of the season, this, this whole him and Duffy kind of combo worked. And I think it's only not working now because the, the results aren't happening. You know, yeah, I suppose. It's a process thing, isn't it? Again, we always say it's a process thing. If McGoldrick scores these chances and we're taking these points, it's working, it's fine. I, I think there's, there's reason to say he needs to start scoring goals sooner, otherwise he could find himself out of the team. But there's also a lot of, a lot of output and productivity there that you'd be missing if he wasn't playing. Yeah, definitely. And as a fan as well, I I, I am a big fan of his. I, I love watching him play. It's just, yeah, some of the some of the things he does with the football, not many of our other players can do. And yeah, there's moments where he just sort of, you know, he mentioned that uh, the chance that he created for Sharp that he added over, you know, just a brilliant turn sort of, a brilliant yeah. like reception of the ball and, and turn kind of 40 yards from goal. And then, uh, you know, I, I don't think Sharp could ask for a better cross, to be honest. And unfortunately, just sort of, muff the finish so um yeah he it, it does it, it, as a fan it's great to actually watch him play so yeah hopefully he just uh takes more of these chances going forward but yeah i don't think at the minute it's like oh he's he's just off he, I, I don't think you can say he offers nothing at the minute i know we just no. said i know we just said he's you know <laughs> statistically the worst finisher in the championship and one of the worst in the efl and he he doesn't create he doesn't assist many goals or create many chances but you know i think there's I basically think we would have really, really struggled against Leeds if he hadn't played and played yeah. the way that he did because they just stood on the rest of our midfield and we had absolutely no way to get up the pitch otherwise. I couldn't agree more with you. I couldn't, I've couldn't. i had this argument on Twitter all week and I couldn't agree more with you. Over, again, not just to throw some more stats out there, but he's got more successful dribbles than any other forward for us. He touches the ball more. He touches the ball, not in the box more, but he touches the ball in build-up more. He passes more than them. So... Yes, is that what a striker should do in its clearest sense of the word? No. But what he is doing is when teams mark Duffy, you know, when, when they actually mark Duffy out of the game or when Duffy's not available or on, McGoldrick's in there. And that might well be keeping us the ball in the final third more than if he wasn't there. Exactly. You know, the last 10 games of last season, just to summarise, we, 
we saw that our chance creation completely fell off. Mm. And that's because teams had tough, you know, figured us out out wide, figured Duffy out, quite easy to think. McGoldrick's an enigma that they're struggling to pick up on because he floats around and picks up positions everywhere. He's clearly given that license to do so. So if you take him out of the team, what do you get? You get two centre forwards who stand up front. Are we going to get the ball to them and are they going to keep it enough? I don't know. Hopefully. All right, mate. So uh, I know we're running a little bit out of time. So, yeah, an, an eventful week. What do we get? Uh, four points out of three games. Uh, a win, a draw, and a loss. Not, yeah, I keep thinking like that. That Rotherham game, I had to keep reminding myself uh, Monday and Tuesday that we actually drew that game and yeah. didn't lose it. Because it, <laughs> it felt, I, I think, uh, you know, as you and I quite uh, <clears throat> spend as much time thinking about the performance, I guess, as we do the actual result. And yeah, it felt like a loss because it was such a shockingly bad performance. But yeah, fortunately turned it around. I mean, I, you know, I think we played really well against Brentford, as we said at the top of the programme, you know, eight out of 10 performance. I agree with you on that. Leeds, you said six and a half. I, I'm going to go with a seven. Just, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. We were playing, you know, probably the best team in the league, if not one of the best. They did a fantastic job on um, in closing us down. You know, whether that actually led to the winning goal or not is, is up for debate, I think. I mean, it's just two moments of poor, yeah. poor quality, just low quality from us, I suppose, that actually led to that. And we didn't take our chances when when we had them, and they were good ones. But yeah, overall, still pretty pretty comfortable. I think I'm I'm very much not in meltdown mode. I mean, there's you know we're still in the top six for goodness sake. I guess um, you know th- there's notes for concern here, but overall, you know, I'm still pretty in- encouraged that we're going to be in a strong position going into January, and then it's. It's just what we do there, I suppose, and I know that's a kind of separate area of concern for a lot of fans as to, you know, whether whether the board have any ambition, whether they, you know, are willing to give Wilder the money he probably needs, I suppose, to to take us to that next level. I think this is it, and it was we're so close to being yeah. a, a top top championship team. To quote Jamie Redknapp, or paraphrase Jamie Redknapp, um, you know, we, we are probably just a couple of pieces away from that. I mean. You know, the, the the record we have against the top six is something that keeps getting thrown up. And I, I actually looked this up before we spoke. And and yes, out of all the top six, we are the worst in terms of points taken against other teams in the top six. So just quickly, Norwich have six points out of a possible 15. Leeds, eight out of 15. Borough, seven out of 15. West Brom, seven out of 12. And us, three out of 12. So it's not a huge difference, but it is the difference between us being in fifth and us being up at the top of the league, I suppose. And yeah, I guess that is, as I say, that is the frustration that uh, a lot of fans are feeling and it's probably why every time we don't win a game, it's like, oh, you know, we're so close to being something truly special here. And at yeah. the moment, we're just having to settle for the mediocreness of fifth place. <laughs> say, I mean, but are we sixth now? Uh, we might be, actually, sorry. In which case, I've just been... We are, sorry, as my point still stands, I think. But yeah, no, we, are, we are joint fourth. So West Brom 34, <laughs> us 30, uh, excuse me. West Brom have 34 points, as do Forest above us on goal difference by three, uh, and us also on 34, Derby on 34. Villa coming up on the rails uh, at 31 yeah. points. Watch so out for them. Definitely. Yeah. Their, their, their numbers over the last four games have been strong. Let's just say that. Even 12 if, goals in three games, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> this, this is no fluke either, but yeah, they're, they're not going to be half the top two at that rate. But, I mean, Tammy just, Abraham you know, cheat code. 
it's just a cheat, isn't it? It's just, I mean, Yannick Bellassi to Tammy Abraham. I mean, that's just, that's oh, football manager stuff. He's not the bloody championship. I'm so annoyed. I'll be fine then. When, when we get Jermaine Defoe in January, it'll be fine. <laughs> um, I just, Can you know, we not just buy Tammy Abraham? Um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if McCabe's had a personality transplant, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Sorry, go ahead. But I mean, just like, you know. So, so we're I, level on points with fourth. Yeah, it's just great. It's amazing from the start of the season. I never thought we'd be here after 20 odd games. You know what I mean? It's amazing. But mm. this whole, just want to quickly, and I mean very quickly, do this whole, oh, it's the same as last season. We're a mid table team. We're not. We might end up there if mm. performances drop off, but our performances aren't. And they did drop off last year, and they're not dropping off at the minute this year, as in data. Results are, but data isn't. Mm. This is our first bad patch of the season. So I've done the last eight games, you know, looked at it. West Brom have had a bad patch. Forest had a bad patch. They started off one. Derby had a bit of a, you know, everyone's had sticky spells. Everyone will have sticky spells. Norwich did, and they've just continuously won games since. But this is the league. You have sticky spells. But in our sticky spell, where we're apparently missing chances and not, we need a goal scorer, we've scored the same amount of goals as Leeds, more than Borough and more than West Brom. Mm. That's not that bad of a sticky spell, really, is it? It's not too you know, bad. I mean, you know, we're not we're not like winning the games yet, but we've also, I think I highlighted about a month ago, this this was also going to be our toughest run of fixtures. You know, yeah. there was a lot of big games and a lot of hard away games, a lot of hard home games. In the next set of fixtures, we've got some hard games interspersed with some teams at the bottom of the league. And with one label that was given to us is flat track bullies, isn't it? You know, oh, we always beat the sides that are not around us. Well, let's continue to do that and we'll probably yeah. stay in the top six into January. It's time to get bullying. I think so. I think, you know, reading away should be three points. There's no denying it. Dave. It should be, but it's on Sky again. <laughs> we're, now, we're now played five, drawn two, lost three, I think. I'm not counting red button because I, I, can, I can barely see what's happening on the terribly low definition feed that I get from that game. But yeah. I, yeah, fair comment. And then West Brom <laughs> the week after. But I, listen, if there's it's a good stupid, time. It's stupid. If it's a good time to challenge this perception that we don't beat teams, that, you know, go go away, go and beat Reading, right? Go go and do what United should do and beat the teams that are lower than twelve. Great, three points, you know, another win stops the rot again from the loss at the weekend. Then you're into a massive home game against West Brom on a Friday night again. We do need to be a big team in this league for me. It mm. is a monkey. We have to get off the back soon because I do get the fans' frustration about playing well and not winning. It is frustrating. It's mm. worse when you know the stats like we do. Because I'm, yeah, I'm looking at it saying Sheffield United should have won that game or drawn and we've lost. And I just think, oh, bollocks, another one. <laughs> it's annoying. But it ain't that bad. <laughs> we're six and we're Sheffield United. It ain't that bad. It could be worse coming from the other half. Yeah, do you know what? I mean, just quickly before we finish, shout out to uh, Sheffield Wednesday's manager. 16th in the league. That is a great effort. How have they managed to do that? How, I feel are like they, how are they above Preston and Brentford? <laughs> and Rotherham. <laughs> how, no, how are they there? They are the most useless team in the this league. <laughs> right, by, apart from Ipswich, they are useless. Their fans are saying it. And they're above Preston, who haven't lost in eight or nine. Yeah, <laughs> something I, I, like that. Something and then they're, like that, yeah. they're above Brentford, who had a great start to the season. I'm bit like they fell off a cliff since, but... And Rotherham as well, who will fight for their lives and everyone seems to love. How are they there? Yeah, I mean, you know, I can say credit to their manager because they are playing terribly. You know, the, the underlying numbers, advanced metrics, absolutely hate Wednesday. Have them as, you know, have been one of the worst teams in the league all season. I mean, I know they continue to score from 30 yards, etc., but their defence is horrible. They don't create many chances. Somehow, 
They've won six out of 20 games and are averaging more than a point a game. That, that's a great effort. But, they should be happy. They're doing far, far better than they should be. I agree. If there's one thing to take from this podcast, folks, it's that Josh should get a contract extension. For yes, please. M. If he could yes, just sort please. of keep winning one game out of every six or seven just to keep him going. Just beat Bolton. and I mean, they got Rotherham. Have they got Rotherham this weekend? Mm, maybe. Not sure. I think they have. If they have, they'll probably win yeah. that and that's they that, have, isn't yeah. it? Rather yeah. on Saturday, yeah. That's that. They'll win that and that'll be their one win for the next two months and they'll probably be 14th after that. It's absolutely <laughs> nuts. It's nuts. This league is crazy. That's the other thing as well about this league. It's all right trying to do, you know, form against the top six. What are you judging that on? Because the top six changes all the time. Yeah, I know. I think people uh, <laughs> I think people sort of discount the Norwich games. It's like, oh, they were like 17th when we beat yeah. Norwich. It's like, well, now they're top of the league and, you know. All, all the, you know, Villa are going to be top six within two games or so. We absolutely hammered them. You know, That's Birmingham it. have been there or thereabouts. Blackburn aren't too far behind either. So it's kind of an arbitrary. It's interesting, but it is also arbitrary. I wonder if you could probably just take a, a similar kind of subsection of teams and, yeah, it would look kind of similar. But there you go. All right, mate. Uh, we didn't get to the Q&As because I know we don't have time. So uh, the people we mentioned last week, we will try and answer these questions on a future one because I know we're running short on time. But yeah, anything else you wanted to uh, quickly tick off or is that everything? No, just that it's it's not that bad. It's frustrating, but it's really not that bad, folks. <laughs> we're playing all right um, and we're going to be all right as well. <laughs> Let's just yeah. see. Christmas is crazy. There's a lot of games. There's a lot of points win or lose you know let's see where we're at when we hit january and if we're in the top six by then yeah just enjoy the ride put it that way yeah it's still uh it's still exciting and good to watch and uh yeah i feel like the thing is i feel like we can win every game uh and i haven't always felt that with united um you know we're in every game and we look good in pretty much every game apart from rotherham i suppose so uh yeah, plenty, plenty to be encouraged about. Obviously, next game is Reading away at the weekend. And then, yeah, West Brom also on Sky on a Friday night. Sky lovers at the minute. I hope we're getting some some nice uh, nice moolah for this that we can spend in January on Ben Woodburn's replacement. <laughs> <laughs> would, it, would that also be a loan from Liverpool? Because they're not going to talk to us anymore, are they? <laughs> they might do. Bring on uh, Daniel Sturridge. That'd be good. We, uh, or or Divock Origi, who scored the most obscure goal I've ever seen in my life yesterday so. <laughs> that was uh, that was truly bizarre probably more bizarre than the goal Leeds scored fortunately by the way just quickly goalkeeping errors everyone thought Hen- literally Hendo Oof. must have gone home and thought oh god you know that's going to be played all over you know he's a good character but I'll get over it but I'm going to have to Up take a stick today Declan Rudd <laughs> Declan Rudd Declan, yeah, Rudd, De- Declan yeah. Rudd puts beer on table and says watch out Dino I've got you covered son <laughs> what was he doing I, I don't know. I, I watched again, watched that uh, a lot of times on Twitter, and it, it looks like a, a glitch in FIFA. It is kind, a FIFA. kind of thing. Kind of thing. Make you throw your controller out the window. There was two FIFA glitches this weekend, definitely in goalkeeping errors. It is real. It's happening. I think. I think the Henderson one was user error. To be honest, that one's that one's all on the controller. <laughs> no definitely. glitch involved in that one. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I, I loved uh, I loved Dino's reaction to that. Actually, just uh, it can have this as our final point. I thought it was a great reaction. You know, the crowd as well. You know, we're still chanting his name afterwards. Uh, I think he went on to make another couple of saves as well. And at full time, he sort of uh, kind of on his own, but just did a quick kind of lap of the pitch, sort of holding up his hand and uh, applauding the fans and everyone chanting his name back. But yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he'll get a bit of abuse for it. Um, 
from the rest of the players, etc. But uh, yeah, oh, I would right. ex- expect him to be straight back on it for our next game. It's going to play into our hands. That that's, that's going to knock two million off the price tag now. That's all right. That's all right. When Man U sign whoever they're going to sign, when De Gea goes, that's all right. Keep Dino under the table. Every now and again, just drop a clanger Dino, and you know that's fine. Then you're only worth two million to us. Not a problem. Playing the long game. I love it. Follow what happens, mate. Definitely. All right, mate. Uh, as always, people can check you out on Twitter at Blades Analytic and your uh, side project website as well, EFLAnalytics.blog, I believe it is. Did I get that right? Yeah. think so. I think yeah. so. I'm looking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What have you What have you got on there at the minute? Because I know it's you, you've been doing like um, like profiles of, um, I guess, up-and-coming players in the lower leagues at the minute. Yeah, I have, I have some side things going on with um, some clubs. Um so I, I've released this kind of, it's more out of interest to me, I guess, but you know, we mm. always like to look at the EFL and who could be the next big things and, and things like that. And who's worth some value maybe. So I'm looking at players who you wouldn't think of kind of under 24 league two, league one players who are performing basically very well on the numbers and, and their actual performances, but aren't being highlighted because they play for Colchester or crew. Mm. Um, so there's a couple of articles on there at the minute, a left back from crew, young guy called Harry Pickering, who's got a very similar style to Andy Robertson at Liverpool. Mm. Um, which I'm not saying he's going to be in, but if you think Andy Robertson was playing Scottish Division 3 football about yeah. five years ago, that's you know something to aim for. And then a young guy called Courtney Senior at Colchester United who is basically like a flying winger. He's very similar to Sterling and Sancho in his style. Mm. Um, just, just stylistically, the way he runs with the ball. Um, and he's a goal-scoring winger as well. I actually think he could pop big time. Um, and a couple of clubs have kind of just asked me to, to do some profiling things. So while I'm doing them, I'm also releasing them publicly as well. So if anyone likes a read of the EFL like I do and all the goings on, then they're on there. Um, um, I am going to do something for our website too, regards to January transfer window. Mm, um, that would be interesting, actually. Yeah, because we're getting there. I'm going to look, just look at the the standard centre forwards slash Mark Duffy replacement alternative um, options available. If you consider Luke Freeman is no longer an option because of contract extension, so he's probably uh, got- what, what's a contract these days? Meaningless. It puts not, two not mil- worth the paper it's written on. It puts two million on the price tag, which puts us out. Let's oh, just that? say that. And then Robinson, Unless Henderson makes another clan game, we get that money back. Yeah, exactly. And then Robinson, obviously, Callum Robinson at Preston got injured, didn't he, for three months. So if that was a goer, or if that was an option, it's not now. I missed that. That's very unfortunate for everyone, not least the player, of course. So yeah. I, have a, I have a couple of options in my head who I kind of look at on the numbers and whatnot from the Championship League one and two from one from France, one from Germany too. Very nice. So All I, right, I matey. All right, mate. Look forward to it. Thanks very much for giving up some time. I will uh, speak to you later. All right, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers, man. Have a good day. Bye now. Thanks. Bye-bye.